I want you to play a game with me. Close your eyes. Come on, play along. Close your eyes and now imagine a dark and plushy club. So you have to walk downstairs to get to the big doors. The sounds are hushed. There's light jazz music playing softly in the background. The colors around you are crimson and gold. The couches are deep. The drapes are heavy. There's a smell around you of cigar smoke and expensive whiskey. And you're met at that big, heavy door by someone who greets you by name. And then they take you to their table or to the table of your guests. And with you, you have this young up-and-comer. It's the child of your best friend. And they're finishing college in a few months. So you figured, you know what? It's high time that you brought them to the club, that you brought them with you and that you introduced them to the right people. You know how crucial this intro is. It's the first step to that CEO job that is in the cards for this kid. Okay? Now, open your eyes. Look around you. Look around the club. Do you see any women? I didn't think so. Do you know why? Because creating this type of high-touch, valuable, pass-the-ball-to-the-next-generation type of networking is not something that we are thought to do. We believe we actually don't have the time to do it. And in fact, we don't even have the infrastructure to do this. The club, the golf game, the locker room. I know this sounds trite. It sounds like it's banalities. But all of this is infrastructure. And we don't really have them in a systematic way. So my dream is that that ends with Regis and Beauvoir. That ends with the knowledge and the network that I hope you will develop for yourself through the work that we do together. Welcome to Speaking with Women, a global conversation about women in work. Welcome to episode three of our personal branding series. This one is all about making your brand valuable by uncovering or by building assets for yourself. If you haven't been following the series or you're new to the podcast, please make sure that you check out the intro episode for this personal branding series. That's episode 13. And then the episode on the first pillar of a personal brand, which is alignment. So that's episode 14. Before we jump into the content, I need to warn the members of my private Facebook group, Regis and Beauvoir, that this episode is mostly a repeat of the training I gave on the group a few weeks back around making your network into an asset. So stick around for the first part, though, because I give some more context. In fact, you know what? Just stick around for the whole episode. Building professional and brand assets for yourself is super important. So stick around. It'll be a refresher. And I just like to have you with me. So as usual, let's start with defining and clarifying some concepts. When I talk about building a valuable brand, making your brand into an asset, what do I mean? An asset is a term that's usually used in finance to talk about something that you build or nurture now and that will create value for you in the future. So think of the home you might own or think of your investments in the bank, the investments that you're putting in there, thinking of your retirement. These are things that you buy, you develop, you care for, because you know that down the road, 
they will be a lot more valuable than they are now. They'll pay dividends and you'll be able to sell them at a price much superior than the one that you bought them at, right? So the idea here is twofold. You can either own or you can develop, create and develop something, and then you nurture it with an eye toward the future. And this concept is really applicable to your brand and your career. The entire reason for investing into defining and deploying a brand is that you feel, in fact, you know that it can be valuable to you. And this conversation that we're having today will give you the tools to think about exactly how to make your brand valuable. So let me give some specifics around the type of value your brand can provide for you. First and foremost, money, right? If we keep it simple, an aligned, valuable, visible brand will bring with it a premium in terms of pricing or salary. When you recognize in your field, it comes with a greater ability to charge higher prices or to command a higher salary. Then there is credibility and recognition. There are also opportunities such as jobs, a mandate, a speaking gig. Value can also come in the form of access to information. And this one is huge for me. It's actually the one that I find the most valuable because it kind of makes the other pos- the others possible, right? You know how they say information is power? Well, this is really why I find this particular one so valuable. So let me take a little tangent and tell you a story. I was approached by a potential client for personal branding coaching. And she was in an industry that I didn't really know a lot about. So my first reflex was to think, I wonder who can educate me about this. And I texted someone who is on the top of my network pyramid. And you'll understand what I mean by that in a minute. So I texted them and I asked for help and insights. And we were on a call the next morning at 8 a.m. She provided me with insights I would have never gotten from Google or from anywhere other than someone who had done the job and knew the industry. And I then went on to have an amazing call with this potential client who became an actual client. So then let's continue. What else can value look like? It can be an introduction. It can be an open door. It can be a valuable contact. So all of these are ways in which you can make your brand work for you and create future value. Now I hear you ask me, what exactly are those assets? Well, they'll differ for each of us, except the network. The network, it should be on everyone's list. But otherwise, they'll differ for each of us. But here is a sort of non-exhaustive list, right? Here's your intellectual property. These are ideas, knowledge that are formalized or not, and that you have put out in the world. There is any social proof you may have. These are references, recommendations, people who will vouch for you in a minute. If you're an entrepreneur, these are what your clients are saying about you. Then there are your skills. I divide skills in two. I divide them between what I call core skills and amplifying skills. Core skills um, is basically what you were trained for, or again, what you learned on the job, or what you Googled or YouTube, but then you mastered these skills, okay? Amplifying skills are what might be referred to as soft skills, but they're really what give legs to your core skills. So these are all your relational skills, your empathy, your capacity to listen, your capacity to get along with everyone, your patience, your communication skills, your negotiation skills, 
you know, your capacity to break down complex information, your attitude, if you have a go-getter attitude, your resilience. So make no mistake, my friends, these are all assets. Next comes something like sponsorship. So who are the people who are talking about you when you're not in the room? Who are the people who are forwarding your LinkedIn profile or your CV? Who are the people who are making introductions for you? And then I'll keep this one for last, but trust me, it is the most important one. And it's your network. Your network, so who you know and who knows you. You know, I'm a network and networking junkie. And one would think that that is a strange thing to be for the intense introvert that I am. And yet, let me tell you about the book that started it all for me. It's called Never Eat Alone by Keith Ferrazzi. I read this book at the start of my thinking process around pivoting and around what I wanted to do with myself professionally. Let me read you a couple of excerpts from the book. Quote, I learned that real networking was about finding ways to make people more successful. It was about working hard to give more than you get, unquote. Or again, a network functions precisely because there is a recognition of mutual need. There's an implicit understanding that investing time and energy in building personal relationships will pay dividends. That book and a couple of mentors got me down a path of networking and I'll never look back. It has been spectacular for my career. So how do I think about a network? Definitely your friends, you know, family, soccer, moms and dads, all of those are in your network, 100%. But the network I want to talk about today is the more intentional one, the one you build for yourself and the one that forces you to think about what you want for your life and to build around that. So of course, again, once a consultant, always a consultant. And here's the model that I build for thinking about my network. There are four layers to it. The objective is to create something that is dynamic and that flows naturally with your life. And listen, I want you to hear this. The title of each of these layers and the number of people that I'm going to suggest in them are for entertainment purposes only. What I want you to take from this structure is exactly that, a structure and a ratio, not exact numbers, okay? I don't do exact. You just, (laughs) you have to know that coming in. Okay, so layer number one, in the words of Ronald Dacey from the series Startup, if you haven't seen it, you should check it out. It's fun Friday night entertainment. So in his words, your first layer are your day ones. These are the ones who are there at the start. These are your Thelma and Louise, your ride or dies. These are the women who will pick up the phone when you call in the middle of a meeting and walk out of the room. They're the ones who will bring you a spiked latte because you're having a shitty day. There are the ones who will do like an off-the-cuff coaching with you to walk you off a ledge. They're the ones who don't judge. It can be one person, it can be five, it can be anything in between. These are the people who see you. There is some crossover between the personal and the professional here, but general, it leans more towards the professional, but you're tight with these people. And then there is a second layer. Generally, we're talking about 10, 15, 20 people. These are the folks who will take your calls, answer your emails, who will accept to meet with someone because you do an intro, who will gladly and easily do an intro for you. These are people you've worked with in the past that you got along with very well. 
people you might have volunteered with, people you've shared struggles with. These could also be people that you've met recently, but there was really a strong connection, right? So you have dinner, drinks, walk or talk once a quarter or so, and you send each other something useful on LinkedIn from time to time. Basically, you make sure to keep that relationship simmering, but it's not hot. You know, it's not like call you or text you every day or every two days. Third layer are the people you have had an enjoyable chat or interaction with. You know you can help them or they can help you. They're on a list somewhere. You wish them a happy birthday. You send them Christmas greetings. And, you know, although you touch base once a year, once every six months, you're genuinely pleased to have a chat and to reconnect but you don't really feel the need for more. And this is a really important layer. This is a layer you want to keep informed of what you do because since they're not that close to you, often they will not have seen transitions or pivot that you have done. And these are also the people that will reach out to you or to whom you will reach out to inform them if you ever decide to go out on the market on your own, for instance, or start a business or something, right? Now, what is important to know about layer two and three is that in this day and age, There can be people on there, and for me there are, that you have actually never met in real life. So I want to tell you a funny story. There is one woman, and she might be listening if you're listening. Hi, Jen. Her and I had had only online conversations. So, you know, on Zoom, by phone, amazing conversation. And we had such a great connection. And this was before the pandemic, I think, or maybe when we were still allowed to see people, but it was early on in the pandemic. And so we decided to have drinks together and I invited her over to my house. And it was hilarious because when I opened the door, she's like, oh my God, I'm so happy to finally meet you in person. And I like, my brain skipped a bit and like, what is she talking about? Because I just, you know, felt like I had always known her. So even though we had never actually met, I wasn't surprised when the door opened. I didn't feel like I was meeting somebody for the first time. So that was pretty funny. And that's something that can really happen with your layer two and three. The last layer are the people that you interact with, especially on LinkedIn. So these are people that you interact with, but you don't necessarily keep in touch or have an actual relationship with. They're important because a network is dynamic. And at any time, people can move from one layer to the next. Often, for instance, people will start in layer two or three, but the intensity of your interactions will bring them up to a layer one. Okay. Another thing that is important to understand is that the layers don't bring with them more obligation. This is really, really important to understand. Relationship building, like everything really in life, but relationship building is purely by choice. You have the choice to do it or not to do it. It has to be light, fun, and volitional. It cannot be an excuse to build another layer of stress and obligation that make the whole process unpleasant for you. When you start to feel an obligation, it means you are not respecting one of the mindset principles that I'll share with you at the end of this presentation, right? You are not respecting yourself if you're starting to feel obligation. So the logical next question is, how do I build myself this four-layer strategic network? Here comes a model again. So you start by assessing your current network. Then you envision what you want it to look like. Then you build it. And then you nurture it. So let's talk about each step. Step number one, assessing. The idea here is to look at how your current network is structured, both in terms of breadth and depth. 
by breadth, I mean how wide it is, how diversified it is, how many layers are in there, and what is the ratio of your layers. An easy way to do this is to download your contacts on LinkedIn, and I'll post a PDF on how to do that in the show notes. The reason it's useful to do it on LinkedIn is not because your network is only virtual, but because LinkedIn is a great database. If you've been adding people as you evolve in your career, it'll be a really interesting reflection of your network. Now, if you're thinking, oh God, I don't have time for this. I get it. But the idea is to do a deep dive at the start of your thinking process so you know where you're starting from. It'll make things much easier and more streamlined. So you download your contacts and you check a few things. Number one, ask yourself, do I actually know this network or is it totally stale? Then you check the date of the contacts. This tells you how diligent and how current your networking efforts are. You also want to check its composition. So loosely categorize these contacts in one of the four quadrants I offered. And if you're a nerd like me, you just add a column to your Excel spreadsheet and you rate each contact or you just rate a sample, right? The idea is not to get nitpicky, but to look at what's going on and to evaluate it. Step two is to envision what you want. Here, I want you to think about what you want your network to look like. Who do you want in it? What type of person? What type of industry? What type of relationship do you want? For my network, I knew a couple of things. One, I often make a joke that I collect awesome women. I'm always a bit uneasy when I make that joke because I fear that it might sound offensive, but it's really a thing with me. So I knew that I wanted to have intelligent, driven women who shared my worldview. They didn't have to be me, but we had to share a common way of looking at the world. So I'm super intentional about that. Number two, I realized early on how important it was to keep contact with people I had gotten along with in the mandates or projects that I had done prior. So that is in my line three. So I'll send a text or a hello from time to time just to make sure we don't forget each other. So build a vision for your network. And again, a word of warning here. I know how perfectionist we can tend to be. I also know how perfectionism will freeze us up faster than anything else. So the idea is to keep blurry lines around these guidelines that I'm giving you, but to try them out for yourself. Next comes the fun part, the build. Again, start with LinkedIn and start with the low-hanging fruit. We had a coaching call a while back and one of the participants works at a really large global company and she realized that there was an alumni network of that company and that she had not gotten in touch with them. So start with that. Start with the people you have worked with in the past and who are not currently in your network. Again, here I'm talking about LinkedIn, but truly it's just, it's such an easy proxy, right? After that, you do the intentional work of cultivating each of your pyramid levels. Again, I have people in my second layer that I met through LinkedIn and only know through LinkedIn. We comment on each other's posts. We get into each other's inboxes with like articles or job postings or stuff like that. You know, agree that you'll have coffee and then boom, there you go. That's the, the type of sort of fluid interaction you want to have. And then finally, the nurture part. This one is where you're going to have to find your style. It's going to be messy at the beginning and it might take more energy than you're willing to put into it. Sometimes I get tired and I don't want to talk to so many people. And in those times, you want to give yourself some grace and be okay with the self-care that comes with putting and respecting boundaries. 
Remember, like everything else, this is a practice. It doesn't have to be perfect, but it does have to be consistent. Now let's talk about objections. You know how in sales they teach you how to deal with objections? Let's learn how to deal with your mind's objections. Let's look at the mind chatter that we want to drop if we want networking to be successful for us. You can put in this as much or as little as you want. You can decide to build your network one person a week at a time. The idea is to actually get started and to be consistent. Here's what I also want to tell you about networking. We all do it when we are in a jam. I have seen this so often. I get inbox messages from someone who needs something but has not spoken to me for years. Well, you know, when we're in a jam, we rush out and we ask informational interviews to random strangers. We ask for coffee chats and then we try to get in people's inboxes when we should have been developing and nurturing those relationships before we needed them. So the best time to do this is now. When you have a job, when you're happy, when everything is fine, that's when you should be doing this work. Listen, sometimes the women on my 1000 Women LinkedIn program get a job and they stop doing their LinkedIn work. And this is the biggest mistake. It's a practice. It's a habit. It's something you want to continue because what I can guarantee you is that there will come a day when you will need a helping hand. And when that day comes, you don't want to look around you and find that everyone is so far that they are unable to extend that helping hand to you. Okay, we've come to the end of our conversation. Let me wrap it up for us. We talked about building or uncovering assets to make your brand valuable, to make it work for you, to make it create future value for you. How do we do that? Well, among other things, we build and we nurture our network. First, we understand the layers, like loosely understand them, right? Just an organizing principle. Then we get to the work of assessing what our network looks like envisioning what we would like for our lives and building it. And then we nurture the hell out of it. Okay, there you go, my beautiful friends. I hope this was useful to help you think. Next week is the last of our personal branding series. We'll be talking about visibility. We'll be doing a deep dive into LinkedIn because it's my favorite visibility tool. But the truth is you're going to be able to use the concepts we explore on any platform you choose for yourself. I want to remind you that this is work you can do in community. We're there to welcome you if you want to join my private Facebook group, Reggie's in Beauvoir. I will link to it in the show notes. And until next time, go and build some assets for yourself. 